Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is James Tripp. James is a UK-based and internationally recognized and respected transformation coach, people developer, and teacher of hypnosis and influential communication. He's also the developer of the critically acclaimed hypnosis without trance approach to hypnosis. Thank you so much, James, for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Can you tell me a little bit about your background, the things that you do? Um, background is always an interesting question because the question is, you know, how far back do you go? Um, I'm a big self-development nut. I've been on a self-development journey for over 20 years. When I was 19, becoming an adult, I had this realization that I I believed at least I wasn't fit for life. I wasn't able to communicate with people as I wanted to. I felt that I had no power, no control in life. Um, you know, I was terrified of women, which is an interesting thing, absolutely genuinely shakingly terrified of, of uh, speaking to women and all people. I was just terrified of people. About 19, I kind of, I was controlling and managing that by drinking a lot, um, self-medicating in other ways, uh, doing lots of speed, amphetamines, this kind of thing. And I had a kind of a breakdown when I was 19. I had a kind of psychotic break. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me because at that point I was either going to go drive into a bridge or I was going to sort my life out. Um, and I had this huge realization that as much as I was bitching and whining and moaning and complaining about life and how unfair it was, I didn't ask for this. I never signed up for this. This is what I used to say all the time. Uh, I suddenly realized that the world out there wasn't going to reorganize itself to suit me just, you know, just like that because I complained enough and because I cried enough like a big baby. So I kind of thought, well, either I'm going to drive into this bridge or I'm going to sort things out and I'm going to start transforming myself and how I show up in the world and how I engage with life and what I'm making happen. I didn't think about it in those terms now. That's how I'm thinking about it looking back. But that was the big shift. I recognized as Nathaniel Brandon, the psychologist would put it, no one's coming. No one's coming to bring me my happiness on a velvety cushion. No one's coming to bring me fulfillment. No one's coming to bring me prosperity. So it's down to me. I've got to sort some stuff out. And I began a very long journey at that point of self-exploration. I looked deeply into philosophy. I studied philosophy. I enrolled as a mature student in my early 20s. Not that mature, but at university, did a philosophy degree, then went on, did a lot of martial arts, lots of meditation. Later on, got into hypnosis NLP, self-development stuff, self-transformation stuff. Um, and that's, you know, that's the, the quick version. I've been on that journey ever since. Since, since 2002, I, I really got into the mind stuff, mastering your own mind, you know, inner mastery and that kind of stuff. Um, and then from 2006, I've been working with people professionally, helping them make shifts and changes in their own lives through all the various tools and technologies that I've learned about and, and understandings about things. So that's the kind of quick potted history of my my background, where I'm coming from. Absolutely awesome. And, and I'm sure other people who are listening to this can relate to your journey in different ways. Um, one of the things you talk about is the victim mindset. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what are the characteristics of a victim mindset and kind of how is that detrimental uh, to somebody who's trying to move through life? Okay, now, you know, the, the intro that I've just given, the, the version of me at 18, 19, 
I was the archetypal victim. Everything that was wrong in my life, everything that sucked about life was all about my circumstances, all about stuff that had happened to me. There was poor me, I was the victim of it. I used to say, I never signed up for this. And I had no power in my life. All the power in the way I thought about the world was outside of me. So I had no power and I had no choice. I was just like, all I could do was bitch and moan and complain. And that's what the victim does. The victim is victimized by life. The victim is kicked around by life. The victim is used by life. The victim has a hard time. The victim says it's not fair, you know, because I didn't get this. I wasn't born with this. I didn't get this break. Why? Why me? Why is it that they get all the, the luck? Why does, you know, these, this kind of thinking. Um, and it's simply a position of utter powerlessness and utter resignation to circumstances. It's like being washed around by the tides of life. It's being a reactor to circumstance. And you have no power in life. You, you diminish, you abdicate your power to truly influence the course of your life and, and influence um, all manner of things that are going to unfold in your life. Uh, this, is, this is what being a victim is. The, the, the flip side is being an owner. Now, what an owner does in life is recognizes that there are in any situation, one of the things I like to teach people is there's almost no place in life where we have control. There's almost nothing we have control in in life, but there is almost nothing that we don't have significant influence with. Now, when you look at any given situation and when you understand the dynamics of uh, the psychosocial dynamics, your own psychological dynamics and your own interpersonal dynamics, um, when you understand that deeply, you start to see where the choice points are. You start to see where you can connect to your influence. You can start to see where you can make a difference. And there's always a place where you can make a significant difference. And the more you connect with this, the more you connect with ownership, the more you connect with your power to shape your life as you want it to be, to really participate in the unfolding of your life and steer that in the direction that creates fulfillment for you, that creates prosperity for you, that creates the kind of relationships that you want to be having for you. People have a phenomenal amount of capacity and potential for powerful engagement with life. But when they come from an, a victim stance, victim thinking, victim attitude, they abdicate all of that. It's all gone. And they just become a victim to the tides of life, just become a reactor rather than a creator. So really, that's, that's the essence of it on a very high level. I actually want to maybe explore it on a lower level. <laughs> so if, if somebody is trying to figure out how do I make this transition because they see themselves and they recognize, okay, maybe I have a victim mindset. How do they make the shift? Okay, so one of the, the, the best ways to make the shift is um, – when I train people with this stuff, initially it's going to take uh, maybe one, two hours to go through. And the initial point is really helping people to see how they're showing up in the world. Because the more you become what I call a better witness to your own processes, the more you're able to catch yourself out when you're undermining yourself. So people do this all the time. And it's almost like learning a new language. This is how my mentor in this a guy called Steve Chandler uh, teaches it. So it's like learning a new language. So if you hear yourself speaking words like, why does this always happen to me? Now that is a bullshit story. When someone's telling themselves, this always happens to me, and why? And they've got this whole unfairness thing going on. As they speak it, they are recreating it back into their lives. So in any given situation, let's imagine I'm 
let's imagine I have a real job rather than living the charmed life that I lead. And I'm in my place of work and I'm rushing to a meeting and I have a cup of coffee. And somebody barges past me and the coffee spills all down my shirt. And I really wanted to make a good impression in this meeting. But there's coffee all down me now. I can go, why does this always happen to me? This is a disaster. No one's going to take me seriously now. And in this organization of reality, all the power is out there. And I'm complaining. Complaining is one of the most primary victim positions. It very, very rarely serves. Complaint does nothing other than lower your state of mind and put you in a reactive place. So my other choice is to go, ah, hang on a second. That's victim talk. That's victim language. Instead, I want to go into a place of creation and say, okay, so this could be better. What needs to happen right now? What needs to happen for me going forward? How do I make the best of this situation? And then I have the opportunity to move into the place where I'm asking myself higher level questions and directing myself towards what I want to happen. Now, this is the thing about being a, an owner in life or a creator. It's about living life on purpose. You've always got purpose and you've always got direction. There's always a path that you're on. And when you know this, you want to put yourself back on. So if I want to get to that meeting and I'm thinking, what do I want to create in this meeting? What kind of connection? What kind of impact? How is it that I want to shift these people's minds? Well, the coffee stain on my shirt has got nothing to do with it. It's an irrelevancy. It just gets diminished. But it's only if I'm living in a reality that says, well, I've got to be accepted by these people. I have to come across in the right way because I imagine the power's out there with them. When I know the power's out inside with me, it doesn't make any difference that there's a coffee stain on my shirt. I'll show up and say, huh, there's a coffee stain on my shirt. And then I'll get on with creating the dynamic I want to create in the meeting. Now, this is, this is the initial shift. Now, what I would say is once you understand this, and we're going over this really quickly, this isn't a training, this is a, a conversation, but... When somebody moves to an understanding of the owner-victim distinction, what the difference is, how it is an owner thinks and speaks versus how it is that a victim thinks and speaks. The victim says, you know, why does this always happen to me? The owner says, how can I use this? What needs to happen right now? You know, that's, that's one of the fundamental kind of differences. But once somebody gets this, it's not really a place to get to. It's not a place to get to. It's a place to come from in your stance and in your attitude. And it's a place to choose to come from. One of the biggest injustices that we are done when we're growing up is we get convinced that we have something called a character or a personality or a persona. You know, and, it, and, and we think we are a certain way. We go, well, that's just not me. And you know, I can't, I, I can't really change because that's not me. Or some people think I can change. Uh, if I work really hard at it, I can change myself. But the truth of the matter is, is we are living moment by moment by moment in a state of constant self-recreation. If I recreate myself, if I think about these stories about who I am and how I am, and I believe those stories, I'm just recreating myself out of my ideas about myself that already exist. So I can either do that moment by moment by moment, or I can start with fresh thinking right now in this moment. So one of the things that is a real mind shift for people is when they stop identifying with their personality, they stop identifying with their uh, persona, they stop identifying with their history, they stop identifying with all the stories they tell themselves about who they are, they stop identifying with all of that. 
and they start identifying with the I that chooses. This is a really huge shift for people, and it doesn't mean struggling, it doesn't mean fighting, it just means being more conscious and more aware, becoming a better witness to your own processes and seeing the gaps between stimulus and response where you get to be grounded and you get to make really powerful choices about how you're going to um, engage with that moment of life, how you're gonna use that moment in life. This is a powerful thing, it creates grounding in people, it creates a gravitational kind of influence around them. Um, your, your business is called Craft of Charisma. And I think this kind of grounding, this kind of solidity, where you are the creative force in life rather than the reactor, just that in and of itself, it just changes the way that people show up on a fundamental level. It creates a gravitational influence, like the planets revolve around the sun, not because of anything the sun does, because of what the sun is because of its very fundamental nature from the inside out. The planets just revolve around the sun gravitationally. You know, there's no kind of strategy involved. So that's the kind of shift you get when you move from a victim stance where you think all the power is out there in life, where you connect with the eye that chooses. You upgrade your consciousness, become a better witness to your own processes, better witness to other people's processes as well, and start seeing with clarity the places where you have choice, the places where you can step in as the eye that chooses and make the kind of difference that you want to make allied with what you want to have happen and guided by your, your self-created philosophy and understanding in life. So I went high level again there, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, no, I, th I think it was great. And I would actually love um, your thoughts on these. So we get a series of common limiting beliefs when I'm coaching somebody or when anybody on our team is coaching a person. And some of the most common ones are, I am too old. I am from, I have a different ethnicity, I have an accent, I have a history, right? I have these experiences that I'm scared if she discovers, she'll reject me. I don't like a part of my body, I don't like my nose, my ears, some part of my face, I don't like, I'm nervous about the size of my penis, whatever. Um, I mean, the guys who are listening to this, they might be able to identify with one of the ones I said, or maybe it's something else, but generally, we get my height, right? I'm not tall enough, or I'm too tall. There's guys who are even anxious about being too tall. If somebody has one of these, what I'll call common limiting beliefs or doubts that's influencing their dating life, what can they do or how should they approach these problems? Well, the first thing I'll say on that is, as a mentor of mine once taught me, and it's something I've stood by ever since, one of the most powerful things that you can do as a coach is not buy into your client's stories. Because every one of those is just a story. I'm too tall, my nose is too big, my ears are too big, you know, I don't have enough charisma. I, they're all stories. That's all they are. They're not facts about the world. I completely agree with that. I don't buy into them. But I know that the clients are buying into their own stories. And so if somebody is coming from that perspective, how do they deal it? Because I can tell them something and the other coaches can tell them, we can even show them. But when we show them, they say, well, you can only do it because, and they'll reinforce the story. Yeah, so this is how I do this, you see. The first thing I, I want, see, when, I, when I'm coaching clients, this idea about choice, understanding where people have choice. A lot of the time, people have so much more choice than they ever think they do. They have choice in, in how they think. They have choice in how they look at the world. They have choice in their actions. They have so many choices that they can't even see. So my job is to help them start to see choice. Once, once a client can start seeing where they have choice, then they become so much more coachable. 
because they don't they're not acting like victims you see now every one of the the people are saying well you know i'm too tall i'm too gangly i'm too this i'm too that they're all being a victim to not even being a victim to circumstances being a victim to a story about circumstances so what i often want to do with people is i want to help them to start to understand that what counts is not how they come across is not who they think they are they want to get out of their own space get out of their own thinking and start connecting with what it is they want to create and recognizing that creation now in this instance they might want to create a connection with a woman right now to create a connection with a woman they want to be in high states of mind they want to be in what i call creative states they want to be accessing resourceful states like joy like curiosity uh, like interest like um any of these things flow flow is a classic one they want to be in these higher states of mind now the last place they want to be is is in a place of fear they don't want to be in a place of anxiety a place of bitterness a place of anger a place of any of these low states that's not going to serve them as a creator and i want my clients I wear this bias on my sleeve. I wear my biases on my sleeve with my clients, and I will make it clear to my clients. I mean, my reality shaped website, the tagline is live as a creative force. And this is what I'm all about. So I want all of my, my clients, as I mentioned, I, I coach leaders and creators. That might be business creators, it might be people who create nonprofits, people who create works of art, um, you know, or, or it might be people that create relationships or wish to create a certain type of relationship. That is a frame of mind, an attitude. If you step into every situation with every person thinking, what is it that I want to create here? And seeing yourself as a creator, you have power. Most people are stuck in this idea that it's all about how attractive they are. That is such a victim state of mind. I don't have the power. I'm just a victim of how attractive I am. And that person gets to choose me or not. And it's all dependent on my level of attractiveness. There's nothing you can do about your attractiveness apart from maybe tidy your shirt up, but you're still going to tell yourself you're not attractive enough. But when you stop worrying about how you're going to come across and start thinking about how you're, what it is that you want to create here, what are the shifts in mind you want to create with this person, the shifts in state, and you show up and you know that being in a resourceful place is going to serve you. It's going to serve you, it's going to serve the dynamic. Now, once you know that and you accept that, and I want to get clients to accept this. I want them to get them to accept that their state of mind makes a huge difference in their life. Once they accept this, then we can start looking at how they keep themselves from higher states of mind. So once I've got to this point with a client, I start pointing out the stories you tell yourself, the thought loops that go round and round and round. They're not true. They're just stories. Of course, every story, you can point to things in the world that seem to fit with the story, but that doesn't make the story true, right? And it's just your own thinking. Here's the thing, right? Your own thinking tricks you all the time. It's like a con artist conning you into believing reality is a certain way. Your own thinking is a con artist. And you can't go and check with your own thinking to find out whether your thinking is valid. It's like someone who's running a con on you. If you said to them, is this for real? They're gonna like be, what are you talking about? They're not, they're not going to say, no, it's a con, right? So you can't check with your own thinking, but your thinking is like a con artist. These stories are conning us into perceptions of reality that draw our states down. Now, once you recognize the illusory nature of that, that we live in illusions, 
Once a client recognizes that, they can start letting go of it. Mm. And they can start rising to higher states of mind. Now, here's the thing. We talked about quietening thinking down as well. Um, I've got two young daughters and they've just gone through the phase. My, my oldest one's kind of getting this now, but, but of being, she's eight years old. She's scared of stuff on the telly. She sees something on a werewolf. She saw someone turning into a werewolf on the telly. It was only in a Scooby-Doo cartoon or something. And she was fearful. This was a couple of years back now. She's very fearful at night because she's thinking her sister's going to turn into a werewolf. Now, I remember when I was younger, I used to watch a horror film and it would scare the crap out of me. And I would be lying awake at night thinking that Freddy Krueger was coming up the stairs. You know, I, I walked home when I first, years ago, I saw The Exorcist 3 and I, I was terrified that something was going to jump out at me or something like that. Because even though I understood intellectually that it was just a film, I didn't get it deep down. So now when I watch a horror film, it might scare me, but afterwards I don't think about it. Even if I thought about it at night, I wouldn't really think that Freddy Krueger was going to come and get me because I understand the nature of the story of the film. I get it at a deep level. And this is true of our thinking. When we understand what our thinking is, i.e. nothing to do with reality, it, it thinks about reality, it tries to interpret reality, but it isn't reality. Whatever you think, is reality, it isn't. That's just your thinking about it. Once people get this, this gap, in NLP they say the map is not the territory. Um, other places they'll say you co-create your reality. It's all to do with how you're thinking, that all the time you are, as the three principles people would say, living 100% in the feeling of your own thinking, 100% in the experience of your own thinking. So if somebody's there feeling fearful because they think they're gonna get rejected because they've got big ears, it's just stories. When they understand that rejected isn't a real thing, it's a concept. When they understand that their big ears story and their story about rejection is scaring themselves. We can all scare ourselves with scary stories. When they start seeing that and recognizing that it's not serving them and it serves them better to be in the space of being a creator, being in higher states of mind and orientating to how is it, what is it I want to create here? What's the difference that I want to make and how cool and exciting is this going to be? And stop taking everything so damn personally. You know, this is the thing that people do. I've got two friends of mine, and I've compared and contrasted them. One of them is a single lonely guy, and he, every once in a while, almost has a relationship, almost. The other one, he's now married, but before he was a very successful guy with, uh, very successful with the ladies. He was always out playing, always interacting. I'd walk down the street with him, and I, and, I suddenly find I'm talking to myself because he'd stopped and he's talking to a uh, talking to another girl. And um, I compared these two guys. Now, my guy who was my friend who was successful, if he went to flirt with or play with a, a woman, he's he's looking to create a certain dynamic. When he goes in there, not everyone's interested. So when a, a girl wasn't interested, he'd just shrug his shoulders and say, "What's up with her? What's wrong with her?" My other friend. He'd build up with this anxiety, and then when he'd finally go and speak to a, a woman and she'd blow him out, he would say, what's wrong with me? Different framing, different orientation, different attitude. But all this is is just thinking. So one guy's there going, well, you know, I'm out having a good time. Either people want to have a good time or they don't. If they don't, then, hey, what's their big problem? 
the other guys there going, oh, am I good enough for people? Am I, am I too fat? Am I too thin? Are my ears too big? Let me go and present myself to them and hope that they accept me and don't reject me because of my big ears and da-da-da-da-da-da. It's neurotic thinking. Now, you can try and pick out each thought individually. You can try and address each limiting belief on its own terms. And that's one way. I used to work like that with clients, picking off each one. But, you know, it's much more effective to go in there and start having them become a better witness to how that thinking, which is something they are doing, is creating their experience of reality. Because that's where they have power and that's where they have choice. That's where they can start to really transform how they show up in the world and how they engage with life from the inside out, rather than trying to do it from the outside in, which is what most people do. It's a very, very big shift. Now, when you first start to, to coach people in this, they're not going to get it in one go. No, nobody gets this in one go. It's like all learning happens, and it happens in, a, in a kind of layered way, or it's about going deeper and deeper and deeper, because, because we need to make one set of distinctions in order to, to create a grounding for a next set of distinctions that creates a grounding. So if you're going to divide something into four, you have to divide it into two first. If you're going to divide something into eight, you have to divide it into four, which you have to divide into two first. Learning is like this. People don't get this in one instance. And even when they think they understand it intellectually, the difference happens when they see it in their life in real time. They go, oh, shit, that's how I'm creating my experience right now. Well, given that I am creating my experience like that, how is this serving me? What would I like to be doing instead? How would I like to show up here instead? What would be a much cooler and more powerful way for me to show up and engage right now? So that's, that's I know I'm being abstract because I'm covering a lot of ground here. Um, but, you know, you can go in on an individual. The old classic thing of, of finding limiting beliefs and pointing out counterexamples is not really a very useful strategy. Because as long as somebody thinks that that reality is true, any counterexample you come up with, they are adept at defending their reality. They are adept at coming up with a counterexample for your counterexample or a reason why it doesn't apply to them but does apply to somebody else. Because you're still acting like they're, or they're still acting like their belief is serving them somehow, that their thinking is serving them. Right? Once they recognize, my God, that thinking is just sucky, it sucks. You could take that thinking out of anyone. You, you, could, you could take that thinking out of someone's head and put it into, into Casanova's head or Don, Don Juan's head, and they would suddenly suck as well with women, you know. Um, that's the way it goes. So when, you, when people start to recognize the degree to which they are creating their experience through their thinking and their understandings, they become a better witness to that process. They start seeing powerful choice points they didn't see before. But all the time they think that that thinking is something to do with reality, they're stuck. They're caught in the, in the reality trap, um, what I call the truth trap. I call this the truth trap. If I think my thinking is true, if I think my thinking is valid, I will always be a victim to my thinking. Because why would I throw away thinking that's true? But when I recognize that my thinking isn't true, it's just a bunch of stories, and it either serves me or it undermines me. And I get to see that I am creating my reality through that. And, and I mean see this, not understand it, but see it real time. Oh, my God, look, there it is. Right now it's happening. That is a profound and fundamental shift. That's life-changing from the inside out. People transform the way they show up in life. They transform the results they get across the board.
Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchrisma.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I mean, you have a lot of really great ideas here. There's a couple that come to mind. One is this idea of choice, right? So from what I'm hearing, what you're saying is that the way that somebody develops choice or the way that you advocate that they develop choice is by first analyzing the way they think about situations. Am I right? I would change the word analyzing there and I would replace it with the words becoming aware or becoming aware of their thinking and the role their thinking plays, becoming aware of their perceptions and their role in creating those perceptions. Okay. And and that makes sense. So my next question is related to, to realities in the sense that oftentimes people have a hard time going to a place they've never been to. They have a hard time imagining it, right? So if somebody has never, I mean, this could be all kinds of like an infinite amount of directions essentially, but they've never started a business or they've never approached a really attractive girl or they've never had a girlfriend or they've never, even if they see other people do it, they have a hard time imagining because they've never been there. Like what do you tell somebody in that situation? I mean, I think of Plato's allegory in the cave. Okay, so there's, there's a number of ways you can approach this. You can approach this in a kind of big chunk way. You can do what in NLP is called a new behavior generator. Although a better way of doing this is to just, I, I did this for myself. I have, when I was out doing street hypnosis and performing as a street magician and stuff like this, I created a character for myself. I literally created a character. I changed my name. I had a different name and different character and everything. And I, I created this because I couldn't imagine me doing it. So what I did is I, I literally, I wrote scripts out. I, I, like I was a movie director in my head, I imagined the scene of this character and how this character would be and how this character would behave and how this character would show up. So I created this character and I literally went out and played a role. So that's, that's kind of one way of doing it. And then a lot of the things about this character that I created then became integral. They, you know, I kind of internalized them. But there's another thing that's important here, I think, is one of the biggest stories we tell ourselves. Well, let me, use the, let me shift metaphors here and talk about self-image. 
self-image, self-esteem, the way we see ourselves, which is a different metaphor from the story we tell ourselves about who we are, but it's, I'm basically talking about the same thing. Nathaniel Brandon, the psychologist, the author of The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, which is an excellent book, incidentally, I would recommend to anybody. Um, he, he talks in there about self-image is destiny. Self-image is destiny. And it's simply this, if you can see yourself doing something, you don't think too much about doing it. You just go stride forward and do it. If you can't see yourself doing it, then that acts as a barrier, as a break, as, as, as something that holds you back. So one of the things that you can do is re-engineer your self-image. This is working on a different level. This is, this is a going back a few steps from what I'm talking about. Because you can strip your self-image away. I've done both. I've done an identity fast where I've, I've deliberately removed every conception I have about myself. And every time I've caught myself having a conception about myself, getting rid of it. I've done that. And on another level, I've looked at how I see myself and how I understand myself. What are the stories I tell myself about myself and how do I change those? So I'll give you an example of this, changing a story. I, I got into a lot of the stuff that I got into because I felt that I didn't have any power in the world. I didn't have any influence. I was not an influential person. That was part of my self-image. I'm not an influential person. I never said that out loud to myself. It wasn't a conscious thought, but it was deeply embedded that I wasn't powerful and I wasn't influential. And that became a self-fulfilling prophecy in my life. As long as I believed that, I showed up a bit scared, a bit afraid. I tended to hang back rather than striding forward. I tended to lay low rather than rising up. Now, I did what most people do with this, which is I went for the outside-in solution. I thought, well, you know, and this is a valid solution. I'm not knocking this solution. I'm really, really pleased with the results I got from doing this. I, I would never uh, disrespect this. So I went out and I developed skills, communication skills, influence skills. I learned about hypnosis, conversational hypnosis, um, you know, tons and tons and tons of stuff about influence. I absorbed it to the point where I was using it. I was using it when I was going out doing street hypnosis. I was using it when I was going out doing street magic. I was using it with my clients. I was using it with my business. I was using all these influence skills. But it didn't really change the inner feeling. And it, it got to the point where I've been teaching hypnosis for a number of years, and I decided I wanted to teach some of this stuff that I loved about influence, and I just kept not doing it. just kept not running this workshop on influence that I really wanted to run. And I had to stop, and, and I felt my way into my system. We can always do this. We can look and feel our way into our felt, felt sense and be sincere and honest with ourselves and ask ourselves the question as we feel our way into something. Can you describe that process? Okay, well, here's the thing. People are up in their heads all the time, right? And they're rattling around. And whatever is going on in our thinking, there's always an accompanying felt sense. Let me give you an example of this. And anyone who's listening to this can do this as well. So what I'm going to invite you to do here is think about somebody that you know really, really well. And let me know when you're doing that. Okay. Okay. Now, as you think about that person, just notice what you notice in your body. You may not notice anything obvious, but just be aware of your, your body sense and your body sensation. Okay. Now think about somebody completely different, completely different category of person. 
Okay. And then notice again what you notice in your body, particularly around the, the core. Okay. Do you notice a difference? Yes. Right. This difference now probably wasn't a strong emotion. It may have been, but it probably wasn't. But there's a subtle body field, which you can call a felt sense. Now, when I asked you to think about the person that you know well, I don't know what you thought, but you probably maybe had a brief flash of their voice in your kind of auditory channel, maybe a quick flash of their face or whatever. But you knew you were thinking about them, but you certainly weren't accessing everything that you knew about them consciously in that moment. But you, you were only accessing a fraction of the information you know about that person. Is that true to say? Yes. And yet, everything that you know about them, everything that you believe about them, is within you. So the doorway to that is that felt sense. And whenever we're in a situation where we're getting wound up in our thoughts, we have feelings coming up, whatever, one of the things I like to ask myself is, is this serving me? Is the current state that I'm in serving me? If the answer is no, I probably want to do something about changing it. So I'm going to feel my way into it. I'm going to feel, I'm going to allow myself, my consciousness to alight upon that felt sense, to infuse that felt sense. And I will ask myself the question, what could this be about? And whatever comes up is what comes up. Now, whatever comes up isn't true. Whatever comes up is the story that's driving the sense or the sensation. Um, I remember doing this a few years ago. I've, I've mentioned this example several times, which is why I remember it so clearly. I was having a really bad day. I was feeling just unsettled all day long. And I'd done all sorts of stuff, just tried to ignore it, put it out of my head. By the end of the day, I was still feeling really bummed out and unsettled. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'm going to stop ignoring this. I'm going to feel my way in. And I felt my way in and I asked myself the question, what could this be about? And what came up was it's about Bob. I'm using Bob as a pseudonym. Bob was a guy who's a friend of mine I just got into a business deal with. And I got into it to help him out. But the terms were really sucky for me. It just wasn't working for me. And I realized I was making too big a sacrifice in this business deal just to help my friend out. And I realized that unconsciously I wanted to get out of it. But the, what came up when I said, you know, what, what is it about Bob? Because it's about Bob wasn't enough. So what is it about Bob? And it was, um, I don't want to offend Bob. So what I was worried about was that I didn't want to be in the deal, but I was afraid of backing out because I didn't want to offend Bob. So once I knew that, I could say, well, where do I stand with this? What is it I want to create? Well, I, I definitely don't want to be in this deal. So what could I create with Bob that wouldn't be a problem for me and would still be an offering that would help Bob? And that way, the whole offending Bob thing disappears. So I get to have choices by feeling my way in using that felt sense gateway. It's a very powerful tool. So going back to the example about being influential, I'd never felt influential. Then I learned all these skills and techniques and tools of influence. And I was using them in the world and I had a fascination by it. But something was holding me back from the workshop, teaching the workshop. So I felt my way in through the felt sense and asked myself, you know, what could this be about? And what came up was, I don't feel like an influential person. I'm not an influential person. That was my deeply held unconscious belief. So what had happened is, is what so often happens to us. Have you ever heard of confirmation bias? I have, but I would love you to define it for us. 
Okay, so confirmation bias is the automatic cognitive bias that we have to seek out evidence that supports and justifies our current belief set about the world and about ourselves. This is how people keep themselves static. Because the truth of the matter is, is change is the default. And we actively keep ourselves static with certain cognitive biases. We keep retelling the same stories about ourselves and living into those stories. So what I'd done is I tried to fix the problem, but I was still retaining the same belief and unconsciously still my confirmation bias system was still finding evidence to support it. So I knew that to shift, what needed to happen was my self-image needed to shift from I'm not an influential person to I am an influential person. And the route to doing that wasn't to use affirmations and try and convince myself and all that. Convincing either yourself or anyone else is always weak. It's always weak. If I ever catch myself trying to convince myself, I stop. If I ever catch myself trying to convince another person, I stop. It's the weakest way forward every single time. So an affirmation is often an attempt to convince ourselves. So instead, what I did then, and this is a way I often do self-change, is I um, connected to uh, my evidence gathering, took charge of my evidence gathering, and decided that from now on, every time I did something, anything, however small in the world, that influenced another person, I would notice it and say, that was influence to myself. Every time, every time I got a smile out of the girl at the coffee shop, that was influence. Every time I got, um, you know, I, I got my order changed in a restaurant, that was influence. Every time I got a discount on something in a shop because that was influence. I would pick, and the more I looked for it, the more I found myself stepping up to be influential and enjoying the game of creating this. And very quickly, I shifted my inner stance, my inner attitude, my inner self-image to one of, yeah, I am an influencer. I'm an influencer. I'm doing it all day, every day. And that became a story that was true for me. On another level, I know it's still just another story, but I'm happy to align with that because that story serves me. So that's, that's a way of, of shifting self-image. One thing I'll say there, a lot of guys, I think, who, don't, who, who see themselves as unsuccessful with women, right? And they may have good reasons for telling themselves that story. They'll say, oh, my history, my past, you know, I've... I've had all these rejections, I've had da 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 whatever. Whatever's happened is what has happened. That isn't you. That's just some stuff that has happened. It doesn't mean it's going to happen going forward because you can choose a different way of being and a different way of showing up. Now, what a lot of guys do is they think they have to change themselves absolutely and completely. Or they have to start getting massive results with women and they discount the small victories. They discount the small victories. Now, I think that it really serves people. In my experience, I've seen it really serving people to, to, to champion their smallest victories. If they get a smile, if they get a laugh, if they get someone to even look up and pay attention, score it as a victory. Because all those small victories build up. In a way, there's no such thing as self-esteem. All there is is self-esteeming. That means you either celebrate your victories consciously, however small, that means you're a good friend and ally to yourself all the way down the line. Um, or you have bad self-esteeming habits, which mean you always discount your victories. Well, it was only a smile. It wasn't good enough. You know, I only got this far. Oh, I've still got these sticking points. I've got... That's not being a good friend and ally to yourself. 
that's connecting to lack. That's connecting to what you don't have rather than connecting to what you do have. You will build power by connecting to what you do have and building it. So champion those small victories because you'll start to transform yourself and your understanding of yourself, your perception of yourself. You will show up in the world differently in incremental ways. But, you know, that's, that's the route. That's the journey. I mean, I agree with you 100%, especially about kind of the small victories. We, we often talk about experience versus perception. Most of this interview, you've talked a lot about strategies to shift a person's perception. Um, we talked a lot about the narratives we all tell ourselves and how they influence our choice. They influence our behavior. They influence our power. Um, they influence what's possible. And uh, the other thing we talk a lot about, like I said, is experience and how these perceptions shape our experiences and also how our experiences shape our perceptions, which is something else that you've talked a lot about. And the context of experiences we're frequently talking about you know what you want. You can figure out where you're at. Now, how do you get there in incremental steps? Uh, the, actually, the example I often use is if you want to eat a steak, how do you eat a steak? Do you eat all at once or eat in pieces? And if you eat it all at once, what happens? You usually choke. But if you eat it in pieces, you can get it down. And so you focus on these small goals. So I think, I, I mean, I love the ideas that you're, you're talking about here. And I feel like it's implicable in so many different areas, whether um, you used a few examples, but there's just so many different narratives that guys tell themselves. I'm not a leader, right? I'm not creative. I'm not smart. I'm not funny. I'm not confident. But there's just so many places where the men who are listening to this, everybody does, but the men who are listening to this, um, they hit these walls. And I, mean, I think you have some wonderful ideas. Yeah, one of the things I'll say for that is you get to create yourself as you are. We're doing it all the time anyway. So one of the things... If I came up with an I'm not this, I would ask myself the question, am I willing to commit to becoming that? Um, or if it was something like something immutable, like I've got one ear, which is slightly higher than the other. Nobody ever notices this, but for years it was really obvious to me. Like, oh, my ears are all wonky. If I put sunglasses on, they're wonky. I have to bend the frame, right? Um, and I could have made a big issue of that and said, people don't like me because my ears are wonky or I look like a freak or, or whatever. I could have come up with this stuff, right? But now take something like that. I can either get plastic surgery done or I can realize that it actually doesn't make any difference. So I might ask myself the question, okay, so I've been telling myself this story about my ears and maybe my ears are the way they are. Am I willing to commit to transcending this and become, becoming something bigger in life? Now that's a useful question to ask yourself. That's a creator's question. Am I willing to transcend this? You know, if it's an immutable fixed thing, if it's something you can change, it's easily changeable. I know this isn't going to seem easy to, to, to some people. Then just, just commit to creating it, commit to becoming it. You know, and a lot of the guys that you work with, at least I'm, I'm guessing a fair number of them, they're people who are actually taking the bold step of going, do you know what, I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to make a commitment to myself to become the person who can make these things happen in life, to become the person that I want to be, that I choose to be. And they're willing to walk that path and, and go on that journey. So a lot of the time it's like, you know, am I, Am I willing to do this? Am I willing to become this? Because know that I don't care who you are, what you are, or where you are. There is no immutable fact about you that means you can't be good at anything. I mean, unless you've got no legs at all, you know, you disappear at the torso and you want to become a gold medal sprinter. Obviously, in that situation, you know, I, I want to be realistic. But generally speaking, you want to become... Uh, you want to become a business creator, you can do that. You can learn. I used to tell myself, I don't have a head for business. I run businesses now. 
That's what I used to tell myself. There was a point where I said, do I want to keep telling myself the story? I don't have a head for business. Or do I want to become a business person? Do I want to learn that? Do I want to create myself as that? Do I want to discover how I need to be in order to be this? So everybody, this is another level of choice that people miss. They're so wrapped up in thinking they are what they are. They stop realizing you aren't what you are. You are what you're becoming. And the more you have choice, the more you step up and you say, do you know what? This is what I'm going to be. One of my mentors, who's a fantastic coach, when he started out in coaching, he said, I want to be counted amongst the best coaches in the world. And I want to count the best coaches in the world amongst my friends. And this is a guy called Rich Litvin. And he is there now. He is there now. When he started out, he was, he was jobless on a beach in Thailand, just discovering some stuff about coaching. And he made that commitment. That's a big, that's a bold commitment. He didn't tell himself, oh, I can't do it because oh, it's all right for other people. They've got this, they've got that. He just said, this is who I'm going to become. And then he got busy doing it. So everybody can do that. And you can do it with small steps. One of the things that I often work with my clients is where's your edge at the moment? I just have my clients leaning into their edge. As long as they keep leaning into their edge, they keep growing, they keep becoming. If they try and do it all at once, like you say, you eat the pizza all at once, you're going to get shocking indigestion. You talked a little bit about commitment. Any suggestions, strategies, thoughts on how to not only commit, but also how to think what a lot of people would describe as think big or think outside their comfort zone? I'm going to go on a limb here and say that's a bold thing to think uh, in the example used where a guy says, I'm living on the beach. I've never done this before, but I'm going to become one of the top coaches in the world. But everybody has to start there, right? An Olympic gold medalist has to start their first day of practice in whatever sport they're doing. And they're just kind of learning. Um, they have to, they might imagine this or a professional baseball player or a business person when they're young selling lemonade on the corner, think one day I want to own my own company. So there is this kind of process where people have to think in terms that are often well outside of their current capacity. In a sense, thinking big is a skill and you get better and better and better at it. Now, I was never blessed naturally through my upbringing with that skill. It wasn't an inherent part of me. I was a very small thinker. So over time, I learned to think as big as I can. And then I would, so I would think as big as I could then step up to that place and that put me on a platform where I could think a bit bigger. So one of the things I often say to people, I've been a slow learner, slow but steady, so I've got the job done. Maybe everybody is. Uh, so I think one of the things I would say is, is think as big as you can. I mentioned the, one of the things that the, the guy I just mentioned, Rich Litvin, often says is, is dream as big as you can and then take the smallest step. Uh, and then you start making progress and then you expand your horizons and make sure when you count your victories, you start to build more of a sense of I can. Your I can gets bigger and bigger and bigger. I have this simple model where everybody you work with as a coach is filled with I can and I can't, right? These two mythical substances, I can and I can't. Your job is to decide with the I can and their job is to decide with their own I can to be a good friend and ally to themselves. The more you put energy on the I can, not in a cheap, superficial, yeah, man, you can do it, but really looking into that person and having them connect to their resources, helping them connect to that, helping them progress, helping them acknowledge their progression, the more their I can grows. And the more their I can grows, the more they can dream bigger and they can think bigger. But however big someone can think right now, have them think there. If you're a coach, you can take them a little bit bigger. 
once you get to the point where they go, it just doesn't seem plausible to me. I've had clients say that when I've taken them to a, a bigger dream than they've had before. They go, doesn't seem like something that's doable. I'll just say, that's right. It doesn't because you don't know that it is doable yet because you haven't connected to that part of you that can do this. And that's okay because you don't need to connect to that part until you do. Afterwards, when you're looking back and you see what it is that you've already achieved so much more than you ever realized was possible, then you'll know. But until then, that's okay. We can be where we are and we can go as far as you're comfortable to go now. So I'll, you know, I'll, I'll start to maybe do some conversational hypnosis stuff like that. But I want to start expanding the client. And also I encourage people to become coaches to themselves. Start to lean into your edge. Recognize where your comfort zone is. Just go a few percent, one percent a day into your comfort zone. Don't try and bust it all out at once. You know, one percent a day, you know, in a, in, a, in a year's time, you're more than twice as good as you are now in that area, just through one percent a day, one percent a week even. Just keep leaning into your edge. Your scope will grow. The other thing I will say is hang out with people. Find people to hang out with personally, one-on-one, -on -one, who are living bigger than you or living more like you want to. That's something that I've done. And it was challenging because I used to have such an inferiority complex. It was hard for me to hang out with people who I felt were superior to me without thinking, oh, they're going to think this about me. I had all that crap in my head. Um, and I had to learn to be able to hang out with, with big players. And learning to hang out with big players uh, and be at my best in their company and relax in their company really has helped me in my own life to shift my own vision get a bigger vision. The other thing I say to people is get, this sounds very self-serving, but I have a coach. I have a coach for a reason. Because if I'm stuck in my own reality, you know, it's very hard to bootstrap yourself out of your own thinking. Get a good quality coach who's going, really going to serve you. This is what you do for guys. You coach guys to help them bootstrap themselves out of their own limiting thinking and live life at a higher level. And that's a, a highly commendable thing to do. So anyone who's listening to this, you know, get coaching, get input. Trying to do it all yourself, I tried that for years, you know, and I made progress, but I'm 40 years old now. I don't hang about. I want to get, you know, I have the best coaches that I can get coaching me because I want to up my game in life. I haven't, I haven't got time to hang around now, so, so that's where I'm at. No, it's great. I'm about over on time, but I mean, this conversation's been absolutely incredible. Any last kind of words of wisdom for the listeners? Uh, I don't know if I've got any words of wisdom at all, uh, to be truthful. Um, there's just stuff that I've seen in life and stuff that I've learned from self-development and stuff that I've learned from working uh, with people who are looking to engage with life at different levels and play bigger games and this kind of thing. Um, I would say if people, you know, if people want to check out any more stuff, I put videos out reasonably regularly uh, via my blog at realityshaper.com. Um, and I'd, I'd love people to come along and check that out and just check out the videos. If the stuff that I'm talking about here resonates. James, we're going to also post uh, some links on the website and within the description of this podcast. So actually the listeners who are listening to this, they'll be able to get access to you more easily. All right. Well, in that case, my final word of wisdom, which isn't really a word of wisdom, but it's just a word of what well, I would say fact. I'm going to call this fact. It's not a word I use lightly. Whatever you think you are as you're listening to this, you're not. Whatever you think you are, you're not. Words are not reality. Reality is always infinitely more complex than any story you can tell about it. It's infinitely richer. It has greater possibilities and potential within it. Reality, in truth, is your friend. 
it's always your friend because it is a medium of almost infinite possibility for creation and opportunity. While you may not see that yet, if you're not seeing it, it's only your thinking that's keeping you from it. It's only your stories that are keeping you from it. Whatever you think you are, you're not. You are way, way beyond that. And when you allow yourself to access that, you can grow in phenomenal ways. You can start carving out awesome stuff in life all over the place, way beyond wherever you're thinking at the moment. And, and I will say that emphatically, that is a fact. Whether or not you see it now or you know it now, it's true. I've seen it over and over again with human beings. And if you're listening to this, you're a human being. You ain't no different. You've got roughly the same neural circuits. You may think you're some special case, but you're not. You've got all the equipment you need. You've got everything you need. You can go out there. You can recreate yourself. You can recreate your life. You can kick ass. You can make awesome stuff happen all over the place. That's my last word of wisdom. James, it's been absolutely great. Um, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us. Okay, you're more than welcome. I've, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Charisma website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.